0: This is Bill Mick Live, iHeartRadio's talk for the Space Coast. With today's Common Sense on Common Radio, here's Bill Mick. It's hour three of a Tuesday morning on the 14th of December, 2021, and glad you're along for this hour of Bill Mick Live. It's brought to you by the McPherson Financial Group. If you head to com, you'll see a couple of links there to uh, the Dave Bowman Show podcast. It is uh, my buddy Dave who joins us from Riverdale, Washington, on these uh, first days of the week, which happen to be Tuesday through the end of the year for me. Um, and Dave was uh, kind enough to... Get up early and join us as we kick around various things that have been going on in and around the country. Dave was not able to be with us last week as he rudely decided that his trip to the emergency room was more important than our discussion on a Tuesday morning. Dave, how in the world could you?
1: Well, I didn't want to go, in fairness, uh, <laughs> but I'm married to a medical professional who said, you know, that who, who, who tends to take this very simple thing and turn it into a disaster. So... My back spasms could well, potentially be kidney stones or even a gallbladder. So you better go. So I went. And it turned out to be back spasms.
0: Ah, well, I'm glad it was less than it could have been. How you feeling today is the question, because, man, you were in some pain. You, you talked about when when I had the kidney stone thing going on, and and it was different. Not, not horrible for me, but different. Right. Uh, you were much more severe.
1: Yeah, I, I've been there. I've had a history of kidney stones and kidney problems, so... Um, but and I knew this wasn't kidney stuff, but she made me go anyway. So what I really need is a back massage, but I'm too cheap to pay for one. So and my well, wait a minute,
0: she's a medical professional; she should be on top of that right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. you know how this married thing works, right?
0: Uh, well, I I thought I did three times, <laughs> but I don't. Okay. Apparently, well, nonetheless, as I told our audience at the end of the last hour. Um, you are a f- former Salvation Army Corps officer, and then after your time as an officer, you were an administrator. Matter of fact, when we met in Modesto, California, you were the administrator of that office and, and had a long history with the Salvation Army, their mission and what they did and do still, and and still a fond place in your heart for that organization and the work that they do, yet they got themselves into a little bit of hot water over the last month or so Let's get the Dave Bowman take on that. With start off with a quick recap of what happened
1: there. Wow. Well, just to be clear, um, I'm a I'm a fourth of five generations of Bowmans uh, involved with the Salvation Army. Um, Many of those as officers, uh, which officer is a term that Salvation Army uses for ordained minister. So yes, I was an ordained minister for seven years. Um, And and as I said, I grew up in this. I mean. Some of my earliest baby pictures of me are the Salvation Army. So um, I have a long history with this. I have a long uh, connection to the Salvation Army. And I come, I guess, from a different generation of the Salvation Army when things were a little bit different. But um, recently, the Salvation Army, which is no stranger to controversy, let's face it. They managed – I I don't know who's in charge of PR, but whoever they are, um, I got some questions for them. they managed to get themselves into hot water by sort of issuing uh, a statement on racism that came from the the International Social Justice Commission, which is based in London, England.
0: Um, no, that's a commission of the Salvation Army itself.
1: Yeah, the Salvation Army formed yeah. a commission, a committee, I guess, the International Social Committee. and Did I call it commission? Sorry, committee. And uh, in the process of that, they managed to create a document which somehow they released, and I'm not sure why they did that, uh, that caused a lot of controversy. And that document essentially implied – it doesn't actually say it, but it implied that white donors to the Salvation Army, and the again, the average Salvation Army donor is older and leans conservative, should – Grovel for forgiveness for racism, and this was not well received. And this
0: was part of their training material for various outlets through the well, core.
1: No, not exactly. Um, the The International Social Justice Committee com- uh, produces these statements, which are supposed to be. I. I, I I'm not even sure what to compare it to, um, but they're they're just materials that. I, this is what Salvation Army thinking is these days, and so
0: so it's not part of their doctrinal statement or anything oh, like that. Because not. as you noted in your podcast, first and foremost, the Salvation Army is a church.
1: Right. It's absolutely not part of their doctrinal statement. Um, part of my personal issue with the Church of the Salvation Army is I don't think they believe their doctrinal statement anyway. But uh, which is how you get to this point. <laughs> The, you know, then and again, that's my opinion. I'm sure somebody there would argue with me, but um, they managed to get this document out. The original document was 67 pages long, but the problem with it, Bill, and it comes from the international headquarters, which is located in London, England. But the entirety Mm -hmm. of the document only deals with the United States. The Salvation Army operates in something like 100, I don't know, 27 or 57 countries around the world. And But it's only uh-huh. the United States that has a problem with racism or allegedly has a problem with racism. And, and somehow or another, this entire document focuses entirely on the Salvation Army in the United States as opposed to in England or France or even Russia where – Or even
0: a general policy statement for the entirety of the army.
1: Right. Uh, the that Salvation, would have been better. The Salvation Army operates in Cuba. I don't know if you knew that or not. I didn't know that until – I did not. 25 years ago, but – that operates in Cuba. Uh, there are a lot of places around the country that have problems with racism, around the world that have problems with racism, but this document very clearly focuses only on the United States. Now, was that intentional? I don't know. I'm not a part of the International Social Justice Committee, but I think that anytime you have an International Social Justice Committee in a church, you're just asking tr- for trouble. Because there's nothing you can say yeah, can that's going to make I agree with that, Dave. And
0: I, I want to ask you about some of the blowback. You got some after you did your podcast, and there's been blowback across this country anyway about what that implies, and folks wanted to see change. And, and the Salvation Army walked it back a little bit, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. I'll remind folks first that the West Cocoa Pharmacy is one of our sponsors here on Bill Live. What I like that Don, Doc, and the crew at the West Cocoa Pharmacy have done, number one, an all-out commitment to service, and an all-out commitment to saving you money wherever they can. There's another thing they do that is even more impressive. They don't get in between the decision that you and your doctor make for your health. What the doctor prescribes is what the West Cocoa Pharmacy dispenses. They see their job as being just that. So every supplement, every prescription, anything you need for COVID prevention and treatment, they've got it, whatever your doctor's recommending. And they're not going to tell you no because they didn't think it was a good call. There are pharmacies that are doing that. They've got uh, 10-minute COVID testing if you've got the need for that to get back into events or work or whatever it may be. And their cash pricing, 40% of the time, less expensive than the copay on your insurance for the generic drugs that you can get from the West Cocoa Pharmacy, and that's just the start of the savings. Learn more at CocoaPharmacy.com or give them a call at 321-305-6909 for our friends at the West Cocoa Pharmacy. Dave Bowman with us. He is uh, in Silverdale, Washington uh, bright and early this morning. Dave, you did a podcast about this and and you're not one to not speak out when you think it's reasonable. And with your experience, you've got credibility on this Salvation Army issue. Uh, some of your friends from your days in the Salvation Army not so happy with you after that?
1: I have a lot of former friends that won't talk to me about anything, uh, primarily because uh, in 2004 I left the Salvation Army Church. Um, and as most people know, in 2008, I fully converted to Judaism. But, but putting that aside, yeah, I, I don't have a problem criticizing something that needs to be criticized, particularly if it's something that I care about. And I do care about the Salvation Army. My parents are still retired officers. My sister is a retired officer. I have numerous friends that are officers. It's, it's a program that I ca- – it's a organization that I care deeply about. And
0: and you respect yeah. the work that they do. I mean, you guys did an amazing job in Modesto.
1: Yeah, and it's work that I've done. So, you know, for me, uh, my focus was was two pronged. Uh, number one, I love homeless issues, but number two, I, I love the Christmas kettles. The Christmas kettles were were something that I enjoyed doing. It, it was uh, it was something that I looked forward to every year, which is unusual around the Salvation Army. But the the bottom line is, you can't. You, you can't even really flirt with stuff like this with with such a casual manner and having it come out of London was a problem. And and mm-hmm. the fact that the Salvation Army managed to let this out and then issued their ridiculous denial statement, oh, it's not true, statement was even worse. Um, for my money, you're not going to find a better social services agency. If that's what you care about is social services helping other people, donate to the Salvation Army. If you are interested in a church organization doing stuff, you know then we're going to have another discussion. But if you're just concerned about people in your community that need help, the Salvation Army is a, is a certainly one of the best well they do the most good, as they say. They, uh,
0: yeah, doing the most good is right. their slogan and, and they've got the infrastructure and the experience yes. in delivering these kinds of services in multiple ways. You guys were big with the homeless and, and providing shelter in Modesto. In addition to the other things that you did here, we've got a, a women's shelter for women and their children who find themselves in in uh, very dire circumstances, and and some great success stories out of that. In addition to feeding folks and doing the the home visitations and like that, that they do here, and they do a great job with it. But they too have been impacted by this because. I can imagine donations from many, especially those older conservatives that you're talking about being their biggest supporters, get upset when something like this somebody didn't have any foresight when they no, do this down the pike
1: no. they did not, and that's the problem is that you know most people, many people who donate to the Salvation Army not in the Christmas kettle but in a constant ongoing thing are again they're older, they remember the Salvation Army from the forties and fifties and even from the depression um they, they tend to skew conservative. They're not all conservative, but they tend to skew that way. And so anytime you can accuse the Salvation Army of being woke, it's going to offend those people. And how many of them are going to take the time to think about, OK, how does the Salvation Army actually operate? And does it really matter what the international headquarters says about the International Social Justice Commission? I did know That was
0: my concern yeah. when I heard this yeah. come down that this is going to impact people that will never touch anything that was done in that particular document.
1: No, and and they won't yeah. and none, none of it will none of the blowback will ever come to them. None of that. So, yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but it's also predictable uh, when you start when you start questionably supporting your real principles. I mean, if they, if they took the approach of we're yeah. a Church, they And we'll leave it
0: there. We're back yeah. in moments. Common Sense on Common Radio. This is Bill Mick live. The McPherson Financial Group bringing you this hour of the show. Nice to have you along with us. 2.7 FM WMMB. Don't forget, caller of the day will be selected at the show's conclusion. Be concluded in our, uh, or included rather, in our daily email that uh, comes out. As long as you're signed up as an insider, top of the page at BillMick.com. It'll link you back to the blog page and everything that we've done throughout the day there will be there for you, so make sure you check that out. Get signed up, top of the page, at com. Dave Bowman joining us from Silverdale, Washington. As, um, we're kicking around some things that Dave and I haven't had a chance to catch up on in a couple of weeks. Dave, uh, the interesting social media news, and it's interesting to me how how much social media drives thought in this country. It is the place where many people get what they perceive to be news, whether it's news or not. And it drives a lot of thought and opinion. And now we learn something about the Facebook fact check folks. Tell me about this story, pal.
1: Well, as you may have noted, um, Facebook does a lot of fact checking on your posts. So you may have posted something and then you get the COVID-19 box or you get the climate change box or whatever. Or uh, my favorite one, which is this is – uh, this information is proven to be not true or, ver- you know, fact checkers have checked this. Uh, Facebook is is very much like government. You know that, right? I mean, they have learned well from government, which is deflect, distract, blame somebody else for anything. And John Stossel, the reporter, recently filed a, a massive lawsuit against Facebook claiming that the, the fact checkers – were defaming him. Now look, that's an iffy thing at first. in, in any case, I don't know that John Stossel, who is a public figure, you have to prove when, when, when you're accusing someone of defa- defamation and, and you have to prove that, especially if you're a public figure, that there was a lot of intent.
0: And they lied and they knew they were lying with the intent to do the you harm. You have
1: to show malice, those kinds of things. So I'm not sure he would ever win anyway. But as a part of their filing for this, Facebook, this is an exact quote from the from the the response. Ready? Stossel's claim focus on the fact-check articles written by Climate Facebook, not the labels affixed through the Facebook platform. The labels themselves are neither false nor defamatory. To the contrary, contrary they constitute protected opinion. So Facebook is claiming that, number one, they don't write the fact checks, that they have some other company, completely separate company called Climate Facebook that writes those, that has nothing to do with Meta or Facebook, whatever they call themselves this week. And so consequently, it's just protected opinion. It's somebody else's opinion. It's not malice. It's not defamatory. So that sounds awful close to
0: me, Dave, to an admission that we are an editor and a publisher, not a platform.
1: Well, and that's the response, that's the realization that it's what people are waking up to is like, wait a minute, but where, how they're getting around that bill is they're claiming that climate face climate feedback is not Facebook. So in other words, this is no different than me commenting on your posts with something saying, oh, you're full of crap, you're lying. That's what Facebook is claiming is that their fact checkers are just expressing an opinion and that opinion is therefore protected. Well, if their opinion is protected why isn't mine
0: well yeah but here's here's another thing about it is that their fact checker is expressing an opinion that has the ability to overwrite and uh, put a disclaimer on somebody else's opinion right I mean, you don't get the right to do that to anybody else's well you're not you're not in that role so in effect I would make an argument that they're an arm of Facebook when they have the power to do that
1: I certainly think. I mean, if they're being paid by Facebook or sorry, Meta, mm-hmm. th- that would certainly be the seem to be the case in my point. But this this admission, this boldface admission in this filing by Facebook, sorry, Meta, is indicative of, I, I think, something that we've all realized all along, which is that Facebook, Facebook is just it's just an arm of government, man. <laughs> it really is, and they're going to they're going to change the rules to to fit their agenda. I, I think that there's something to be said for fact-checking in the sense that, you know, I mean, somebody posts a submarine story that I know is wrong. I'm going to say something, and I'm, I'm going to speak with some authority on that. Somebody posts right. a Salvation Army story, and it's it's wrong. I'm going to post with some authority on that. But the idea of me just taking their post down, I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good communication. I don't think that's the, the, the definition of free speech. I, you know – the solution to bad speech is more speech that it always has been. So I don't understand why Facebook is so obsessed with taking down stuff, except that that's the left's mantra, which is if you're not saying something we like, we will make you shut up. And if you don't shut up, we will label you as a domestic terrorist or a COVID carrier or whatever. And it's becoming more and more successful. How, how, As big as this bombshell is about Meta admitting this, the collective yawn that's greeted it is amazing to me. I mean, nobody cares. Literally nobody cares.
0: And that's sad. Well, it leads me to another question or two, and I'll get to those in just a moment. I'll first remind everyone, the McPherson Financial Group is bringing you this hour of Bill McLotk it's the end of the year. It's time to do that review of your retirement plan to see if it's performed the way you anticipated, if your goals for retirement are being met. And the McPherson Financial Group will give you a complimentary portfolio analysis right now. Give them a call. It's 321-425-8550, uh, 321-253-2016, or see them online at McPhersonFinancialGroup.com. They'll take a look at your investment strategy, your estate planning, your insurance and charitable donations. Um, adjust that financial plan if necessary or give you some tips on doing that. Taking a look even at your employee benefits and your tax strategy. Art and the staff at the McPherson Financial Group live this world every day and can be of immense help. So, again, reach out to them. The McPherson Financial Group, LLC, is a financial services firm with a broad array of products and services that include insurance and annuities. They're licensed in Florida, and, yes, I'm compensated for this endorsement, but yet... They do handle my financial planning. So uh, McPherson Financial Group bringing you this hour. Thanks to them. David brings up an interesting question for me because President Trump has announced he's starting Trump Media to create uh, his own social media platform, network. we got a member of uh, Congress resigning to take the CEO job there. And is there an opportunity for the, pre- the former president to have success with an alternative social media. Others who've tried it have not been able to reach the oomph level that, that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all of that have. It seems like the machine behind this could very well create a viable alternative for folks.
1: Didn't he do this once already? I, I thought he already did this, but, but I guess he so did What he
0: started was a website yeah. that was a one-way communication. It was basically right. a, a PR machine, and, and I quit looking at it in the first week.
1: Now let me ask you a question, Bill. Why did you quit looking at it?
0: Because it was a PR machine for President Trump and the election BS that some of which continues to this day.
1: What makes you think that his social media network is going to be any different than that?
0: If he wants it to be successful, he's brought in what, Devin Nunez, right, to, to be the CEO here. And if they're wanting to create an alternative platform for people to have that voice, I think it has potential for success. And with his name attached to it, I think it's got that potential. If he doesn't do with it what he did with his own website, the, what, 45, what Office of 45 website or whatever that was.
1: Do you remember 2009, 2008, 2009, the Tea Party and how excited we were Absolutely. about the Tea Party? And the one thing we kept saying was you can't let it be taken over by the Republicans and what yep. ended up happening. Absolutely. I have no faith. Sorry, I, I, I realize that many of you are Trump supporters and all that, and I voted for him, but I have no faith – that given Donald Trump's history and, and ego that this will be anything different than his website was and and that tends to be the problem with conservative social media is that it tends to drift away from let's just call it rational discussion and into Being the world, an open platform right and into the world yeah. of uh, you know crazy people
0: well it does happen dave bowman with us throughout the hour we let you play along at 3217681240 Where we continue in just moments here on WMMB. A Tuesday morning on Bill Mick. Third hour, Dave Bowman joining us from Silverdale, Washington as the McPherson Financial Group makes it all possible. Remind you, my column that we'll uh, post tomorrow at com, entitled Success, Scrutiny, and Innuendo. Yes, it's referencing the uh, USA Today Florida Network's column about Moms for Liberty. Anyway, I thought it was a great column, it's bringing attention to a group that's, that deserves that attention. And yes, if you are in the public fray, um, scrutiny is going to happen. The innuendo is where the story crossed the line, because without facts, they tried to assert things about Moms for Liberty that you and I, because we know Tina Deskovich, one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, uh, we know who she is. We know her integrity. We know her heart and uh, that of the group, and it is reflective of the personality of those ladies who got together and formed Moms for Liberty. So I'll write about that. Make sure you're signed up as an insider. Top of the page at BillMick.com. Dave, uh, folks know you are a uh, qualified submarine guy, and you spent significant time there lamenting maybe that you're still not on a submarine somewhere. And we talked a few weeks back when the incident occurred with the Connecticut about what may have happened as the nose cone and whatever is concealed there under was severely damaged in an undersea incident with the Connecticut. We've got some updated news. We figured we'd let you share that with us here.
1: Well, what's underneath that that nose cone is the sonar dome. So that's probably the world's most expensive microphone. You, we both have uh, RE20 type microphones, and these mm-hmm. are pretty expensive microphones. And these aren't these aren't even in the same time zone as the microphones on that sonar dome. So uh, it's it's a very expensive piece of equipment. It's a very expensive, and it it's just hanging out there now because the nose was ripped off this thing. Um, Everybody was.
0: Well, it g- also would impact the seaworthiness. The yes, what uh, you'd call it? What aerodynamics if it were Hy- on, on the ground or in an or, or flying? What is it when it's under the ocean? Hydrodynamics. There we go. Hydrodynamics, okay. and, and that had to be severely impacted when it, that occurred.
1: It probably yeah. did. Um, again, I wasn't there. And I have no as, – as Eric Ryle and I, the sub-vet, and we talk about it on our podcast, I have no inside information at all. So anything I say is pure speculation. Um, it probably – And there damaged, will
0: be no classified material. Nope, discussed
1: here. Nope. It, it probably damaged the bow planes so they, they, they wouldn't be able to – I suspect, uh, based on the news we have now, that they damaged the ballast tanks, the forward ballast tanks, uh, because they did – everybody was surprised by this, but they did a surface transit from Guam all the way across the Pacific Ocean. Now, they are currently in San Diego, and I'm a little confused by that because San Diego does not have the maintenance facilities that she will need. That She almost has to come to Bremerton to, to be properly repaired. So given the weather on the West Coast right now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we are experiencing atmospheric river storms of epic proportions – I suspect that there was a weather issue between Southern California and here. So that's probably why they they pulled into San Diego to shelter. Um, I suspect that in the next week or so, they'll probably make their way to Bremerton. But, man, 6,000 miles across the Pacific Ocean in the dead of winter on the surface in a ship that does not have a keel. It has a round bottom. Mm -hmm. So, dang. Would that
0: be like rocking and rolling all the way to San Diego?
1: Yeah. So what I tell people is one night in my career, we surfaced in a cat three hurricane or typhoon, whatever it was in the Pacific. And we had to be on the surface for about four hours for reasons that I'm not going to go into. Uh, It was the greatest night of my life because I'm I'm pretty blessed, Bill. I do not get seasick. I've gotten seasick one time in my life. And it was on the Liberty launch in the middle of Pearl Harbor. So and I was drunk. Um, but as a general rule, I don't get seasick. But man, a lot of people do, and that was a rough, rough night for four hours on the surface in a in a in a relatively medium storm. I mean, it wasn't you know the greatest storm of all time, but holy crap, that ship was. We were taking thirty forty five degree rolls on the surface, and I imagine, and we were big. I mean, we're we're almost three times the size of Connecticut. So the the ride had to be miserable. They had to be on the surface the whole time. Uh, Mm -hmm. They were probably escorted by uh, air defense type ships because she has no air defense. Um, And they probably had to route her around the main shipping lanes because, you know, you don't want want to get in front of some freighter uh, or tanker or something that's not paying any attention to anything and can't see you on the surface. And, that adds adds to it. So I don't know. I have a good friend of mine that's stationed in San Diego, and he was you know he was telling me that God bless him man because he rides a surface ship and it's uncomfortable at times. I can't even imagine doing that uh, for six thousand miles. Four hours was about my limit. Six thousand miles of that, you just want to pull your hair out. I mean, the, we could get into the descriptions of what probably was happening, but I, I don't think we want to really want to gross your audience no, off that I, much. We
0: probably don't, and uh, um, it would not have been good. No. And, and I'm surprised they didn't try to do everything they could do at Guam, or maybe they, well, they did everything did. they could do at Guam. Yeah. It would be too hard to get the equipment to Guam to be able to do the refit or whatever they're going to do next.
1: They are going to have to, and this is pure speculation on my part, um, they're going to have to repair the ballast damage. They're going to have to reattach the nose if they don't have to replace the sonar dome. Now, who knows if they have a replacement for that sonar dome? There's only three of these class of submarines ever built. So it's possible that they don't even have one for that. There's a lot of discussion on sites and boards and stuff that she may be done. They They may not be able to repair her. But in oh, Guam, there's no way to do it right now. Now, the Navy announced this past week the construction of an intermediate maintenance facility, what they have here in Bremerton, in Guam starting next year, which is, of course, questionable because when you're dealing with you know, the, the whole situation with China – sorry, communist China or West Taiwan as I like to call it, it's, <laughs> kind, of, um, it's kind of a provocative move to build a shipyard – you know, in, 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 in their backyard right now, we're kind of sending a message with that. But it's a little too little too late right now. I mean, it's going to take them years to build that. Yeah, so, that'll be a
0: multi-year, multi-probably billion-dollar project.
1: Right. and But it is necessary. Uh, this, something mm-hmm. like this might have been easier to handle. Uh, you know, the fact that they made it to Guam was a miracle. As I like to tell people, I, I, I like to think I had a hand in that, um, You know, generate 110 years of submarining in our Navy, you could probably take every person on that ship, the Connecticut, and say, okay, who trained you? Go to that person and say, okay, who trained you? And then go to that person and say, who trained you? And you could probably trace that tree all the way back to the very beginning of the submarine fleet, which means that, you know, 100 years of experience went into that ship's survival. So I'm pretty proud Mm -hmm. of that. Um, It's a miracle that they made it back. I don't know, and the Navy's not telling me, you know, they're not calling me up and saying, hey, Dave, here's the, here's the scoop on Connecticut. But man, it looks bad. And the fact that they had to probably avoid weather by pulling into San Diego tells me it's even worse than, than, than we might think it is. Mm,
0: that's tough. That is tough. Dave, appreciate the experience and expertise on that. Hang tight. When we continue in 60 seconds, your calls at 321 768 1240 in just a minute. On WMMB. Dave Bowman with us from Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast, thedavebowmanshow.com. Links for you at billmick.com on the show page today. Dave, let's get to the phones. We'll go to line one. Good morning. You're up next on Bill Mick Live. What's on your mind here? Hey, good morning. I had a submarine question for Dave. Sure. Fire away. Well, um, Dave, you remember the drills on submarines like uh, loss of depth control loss of propulsion, uh, loss of electrical power. Of course. Yeah. And you know how the crew always came up with some really funny uh, analogies of the drills and casualties you had? Uh, my favorite, which relates to what our government and school boards and everybody's doing in the country, is it was, it was loss of normal reality control. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Did your, did your crew ever use that? I was an East Coast sailor
1: oh, on subs. And, uh, I, don't, I don't specifically remember that. that yeah, remember I left the boat okay. in 1987, so we we didn't. I don't even if we didn't do that, we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of fun with drills because drills are are pretty ridiculous. But I will tell you this: in in my time on the submarine, drills were always what we called a Charlie Foxtrot. I can't tell you what that stands for on the oh, air. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, I know. But um, the night, the night, October thirty first, nineteen eighty six, we had an actual casualty. We actually had a major engineering casualty, and I'm telling you, all that training paid off because it was it was like clockwork. And this is what I try to tell kids today: is train, train, train. And no matter how screwed up your training is, when it's real, you'll be amazed at how well it works. And that's. Uh, that's the most important part of this. And we survived because of our training. So,
0: Yeah, most certainly. And, and, Dave, you and Eric talked about that and some of that terminology in a recent podcast that they can find at the DaveBowmanShow.com. That was pretty good. Let's go to line two. You're next with Dave Bowman. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Hey, it's not a, pre- a comment for Dave. It's a comment on Kentucky. And I don't see why. Okay, we're not on Kentucky
0: right now. We are on Dave, so that's where we're going to stay. Dave, if if we lose the Connecticut, if it's if it's done, how how much are we ready to have it replaced in the fleet? Are they rolling out new subs? I did see something about a a new sub coming uh, into the water not too far from now. I mean, it's out doing testing now in the Atlantic.
1: Yeah, USS Oregon. There are only three Seawolf-class submarines, the Connecticut, the Seawolf, and the Jimmy Carter. Um, I don't know that they can replace her. Now, the Virginia-class that they're building are very capable submarines. So it's possible that they could retask one of those with with Connecticut's missions. But they they can't rebuild it. They can't build another Seawolf-class that they've already retooled and moved on from that, which is unfortunate because the Seawolves are incredible submarines. And they're far more capable than the Virginians, but they're also way more expensive. <laughs> and that's part of the problem. Is there,
0: another, is, is there another class that would be similar or considered above the Seawolf, or are they going back no. to the Virginians?
1: No, they're, they're going to stick with the Virginians for now. But the Virginians are becoming more and more capable as they move on from Block 2, Block 3, Block 4. Um, now, the other the submarines we're building right now are the Columbia's which are the new ballistic missile submarine, which will replace the Ohio's uh, coming online in a few years. So, Which is weird to me because when I was on Michigan, which is an Ohio-class submarine, she was brand new. And it's hard for me to realize that she's closing in on 40 years old now. And that's hard for me. Hard for me, man. It's hard.
0: Dave, go take care of your back. I, I think there are massage therapists in your region that may be able to help you. So...
1: Have Cammie drop you off at one or something. I will do that. And and enjoy the greatest economy in American history.
0: There you go. Absolutely. Dave Bowman, thank (laughs) you, my friend. Always good to have you along. See you next week. All right. The McPherson Financial Group made the hour possible. That does it for our Tuesday edition. Tomorrow, a wide-open Wednesday where... (laughs) If it's on your mind, it's on Bill Mick Live. Where are you going to take us? That's the day for your Kentucky call. That will be tomorrow. Not today. Tomorrow, anything you want to talk, anytime you call us. And we'll see you in the morning at 6.
1: Recording stopped.